All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. It is episode 44. Uh, we are well within our midlife here. Hopefully, this is just the beginning of our life as a podcast. Uh, uh, episode 44 of the Green Street show, Hammers myself, podcast. Adam, Adam and Jeremiah deep dive on West Jeremiah Ham versus Tottenham, including Colorado chats about Jose Mourinho taking Dude, over as Tottenham's new uh, manager. If West Ham will make any changes um, needed ahead of this week's match. In my car and we end the episode, podcast, as always, with like, Hammers uh, kind of being like in a uh, snow globe. The Green so, yeah, Hammers how about podcast. you? So, it snowed here. I'm in Toronto. It snowed here um, like a week ago, like last Monday. And, you know, cars are sliding off the road. Everyone's freaking out like it happens the first time of year. And then it's just been... It warmed up ever since then, and now it's raining today. So it's like six degrees nice. outside and uh, and raining. So it's a lovely fall day all of a sudden again. But of course, as gloomy as the weather is for me, anyways, I'm excited kind of because the Premier League football is back, and that's always lovely when Premier League football comes back, even when you're staring at Tottenham in the face. But who doesn't love a good London derby, right? It's exciting, and there's a lot of. Uh... There's a lot of big storylines coming into this one. I mean, I'm just the only thing I'm not excited about is waking up at uh, 5:30 a.m. to watch this kickoff. But uh, yeah, other than that, dude, it's, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. So I I know that we have a bunch of American listeners as well, and they're they're very vocal. And some of them in the South. I know Jeff's from Texas himself. Um, I have I'm going to have I got to go pick them up tomorrow. Four racks of pork ribs that I have to mm-hmm. make. Uh, on Saturday for a family get together, and I love barbecuing and all that. But so it's kind of nice because I'll wake up at probably six thirty. The, the match starts at seven thirty local time for me, and um, so I'll be able to get those those ribs on the grill early and get them smoking away, which is kind of nice. But if anyone has any tips for uh, for getting some nice flavor on some pork ribs, I'm all ears. I'm I'm, I'm always happy to learn. So let me know. Um, but, but as mentioned, uh, this is not a barbecue podcast or weather podcast. This is a West Ham podcast. And as it stands right now, we are tentatively in a relegation battle all of a sudden. Uh, and don't look now, but Spurs are as well. Um, but the big news of the week is that Spurs got out in front of their issues, which they determined to be their manager, and have sacked Pochettino and replaced him with Mourinho. Um pretty shocking news did you expect spurs to do anything especially this late into the uh, international break no I, th- I think we talked about it uh last week with our guys you know with the whole pellegrini issue of like if what a perfect timing to sack a manager at the beginning of it and then you have essentially two full weeks to get ahead of it so yeah really weird news to see it kind of midday um you know two three days before the match was uh was kind of weird to see and then obviously quickly turning it around not even you know 12 hours later and, uh, you know, Jose's signed up and he's going to be the new the new gaffer for them, I think is, uh, yeah, I, shocked is, is a loose word. I mean, Pochettino, great manager. I mean, even if, I hate to give Spurs any type of praise on this podcast, but I think he's a solid manager. I mean, I, I just don't think that they were going in the right di- direction for themselves and definitely playing below where they have recently. But I think we can kind of both attest to that. Yeah, and I think with Spurs, it's been sort of a situation with uh, behind the scenes, th- behind the scenes things that are sort of causing issues internally. And when people get comfortable, um, you know, weirder things can happen. You don't know the ba- the boundaries get sort of blurred a little bit on what's permitted and what's not. And there's a bunch of rumors swirling around about players wanting to leave because of you know quote unquote personal issues within the team. So uh, yeah, it, it's it, it'll be certainly interesting to see exactly how this shakes out for Spurs, but. Um, they didn't waste any time, as you mentioned, and you know, Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho is a Premier League proven winner and also a European winner, and 
as cocky as he may seem, it's fun to have him back in football. Um, and, you know, what else is there to say other than see Saturday, Jose? <laughs> Isn't it great to uh, to see all the old tweets? And, you know, you got to love Twitter whenever. I saw it with Dele Alley. Something came up of how he – this was back in, like, 2007, how he was glad he was never going to have to work for him. And uh, I think even oh. – he came out once saying that he would never work for Tottenham because of Chelsea, his love for Chelsea. So it's great how Twitter holds on to these little clips and then they just kind of find their way back up. You know, and then I mean, we don't do ourselves any 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 good either. You just sit out there with see on Saturday, Jose, with with the uh, with the actual club media account posting out that uh, that horrific video about it. But did you yeah. hate the video? I I kind of did in a weird way. Yeah, I did you not? Liked did it. you like it? Yeah, I, because first of all. <laughs> We're sitting. What? What? Let's. I have the table up here. We're sitting in 16th place. We have 13 points, and we are four points. Uh, sorry, five points up on 18th Watford. So, who cares? Like, just throw that shade. I'm sure Tottenham being 14th in the table and, and one point ahead of us is a lot worse for them than us being in 16th is for for ourselves. Tottenham have these, you know, Champions League aspirations and winning the Champions League and winning the league. So. Just poke fun. Like, who cares? That Also, why delete it when 250,000 views have already gone down on the video? It makes right. no sense. Just stick to your guns. Also, and people were people were copying it and you know retweeting it, so oh, it's out there. You're not getting rid of it. The yeah. second anything borderline gets on there, people are recording it, copying it, saving print screen, everything. So I don't know. It, you might as well stick with it. Uh, it got approval to go live by somebody, so whatever. I don't care. To me, that's funny. That's banter. That's that's you know poking the bear, if you will. Uh, but you know, see you Saturday, Jose. Like I'm sure, first of all, he would have had to have been told about this video by somebody else, or the paper is not right. there all reporting it. And what is this going to do? Make him train the players harder? Like no, that's a ridiculous sentiment. And sure, things like him, you know, poster, uh, uh, bulletin board material goes up, motivates the team. We didn't say like Spurs blow or like we we opened up, you know, the new White Hart Lane or Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Like we're the we're the, we're the only team to beat you there, the first team to beat you there. Like we didn't go down that avenue. We poked fun at your manager, who's a big hothead. If anything. What do you do when someone's a hothead? You try and push their buttons, right? Get them off their game. Why not do this? Anyways, I don't care. It's over. It's done with. <laughs> it doesn't exist any, anymore except in the the halls of everyone else's screen records and everything. What if you had to if you had to pin it down to one thing? What would you say is Tottenham's biggest issue right now as a team? Why are they underperforming? I, I know it's kind of like with us when you look at when you look at the players they have in that squad and they haven't changed much, right? I mean, they're a lot, they're very similar that you saw last year going all the way to the Champions League final, very similar uh, past previous seasons and they've had a lot of success. So I don't know. It's even more of a conundrum to think about than what West Ham currently has going on because they have a really solid team and really solid players that just aren't performing and putting it together. And maybe you see a lot of people, you know, uh, come out and report that, you know, Pochettino was, you know, doing, you know, magical type stuff at Tottenham because of the money that wasn't really coming in and, you know, the fact that they were just punching way above their level for so many years. And maybe that's true, but nothing's changed realistically. So I don't know if, you know, maybe people are just finally catching on to what it is that they're doing. I mean, injuries don't help. And I know they've had their fair share of injuries just as a lot of other clubs have. But yeah, to really pinpoint what's going on, I don't really know. I don't know. Do you have a a better insight maybe than me uh, i i would see i would go harder on um 
harder on the injuries thing just because if you look at their team, like right now they're starting Gazinga, Gazaniga, Jesus, Gazinga, Gazaniga in goal, who is one of the one of the better backup keepers despite some some you know mix ups in recent play. Uh, I mean, he's better than Roberto. I'd take him over Roberto any day. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're starting center backs against Sheffield United where Davidson Sanchez, who's great, but then their other one is Eric Dyer, who's a midfielder. So mm-hmm. with with Toby Alderweireld on the bench and, and Jan Vertonghen seemingly out, you don't know what you're going to get from that. Ben Davies and Serge Aurier. Aurier, again, is, uh, is a hothead himself. He's someone I would look to press and, you know, jab at, kick at, you know, just try and get under his skin any way you can because he's, he's a red card waiting to happen at any point in time. Their midfield is great. They have a ton of great midfield players. Deli Ali, Lacelso, and Ndalbele brought in this season are great, great players. Sissoko is proving to, to be uh, a, a great a great player for them, just kind of out of nowhere almost. Uh, Human Sun, we all know. Harry Kane, we all know. But they also have options like Lucas Mora off the bench, Harry Winks, uh, Christian Eriksen, obviously. Ryan Sessegnon still with the team. So, like there's a lot of there's a lot to like about this team. Maybe maybe Pochettino just didn't have the wherewithal to get these players playing together. But to me, if I look at their back four, as it was against Sheffield United, which was a one 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 draw, uh, Serge Aurier, Davidson Sanchez, Eric Dyer, Ben Davies. Nothing about that screams top four, top six to me. If you mix in Alderweireld, uh, you, you know. If Rose gets back to his top form, you're going to take a, a, a good Rose better than or over a good Ben Davies. Uh, you know, Ryan Sessegnon as well can mix it on that left side too. But Juan Foyth is their backup at right back. I don't know. I just, there, there's not much I, I like about that right now. Davidson Sanchez is the one player who I think can be unpredictable at times, but he's a great, solid player. Um, the two weeks off will have probably both Belgian Belgians back. I'm not sure about Vertonghen, but Aldevaro should be back. And Lloris won't be back for this game uh, game either, so it'll be you know the battle of the backups in this one. So, as for what's the issue for Tottenham, it just seems like there's too much going on at the club right now and not enough stability. Um, Jose Mourinho can you know quote unquote park the bus if you if you want to call it that at times, but he's got a lot of players. And as I mentioned, sorry to to keep rambling here, a really strong core of midfield players that can get the ball and outlet it to the attacking players like Kane, like Son, like Ali. Uh, who can step up and make a difference? So I think it, it's not. I don't think anyone's saying it's going to be a, a you know really tough challenge for Mourinho to succeed at Tottenham or at least to get the team playing better. But um, it's just going to be how, how how reliable is that back four going to be? Right, and you know with Mourinho anywhere he's gone, he's he's burnt he's burnt that bridge on the way out. So um, that's a uh, maybe a, a blessing to see down the down the road that maybe uh, Tottenham might have some success, but you know when he leaves, something's going to be crazy and something's going to happen. So that's always big to look at too. And I think with Pochettino too, just another point. I mean, that we can get off the whole Spurs train and why they suck, but um, he had a really a vigorous kind of like training program. If I'm if I'm correct on that, and I think a lot of that had to do with maybe players are just now getting tired, and you know the injuries don't help, but just kind of overdoing it possibly and, and not let go, which I don't really see an issue with that. You kind of want your manager to have that. I'd rather have that than the opposite of, you know, chilling on the beach and, and you know, drinking Mai Tais or whatever that might look like. But, yeah, I think that, you know, maybe that throws into there. But my hope, obviously, is that, uh, you know, Mourinho comes in and does what he always does and then eventually will burn it down on the way out. Well, uh, let's take a, a look to the other side of the pitch here. Against Burnley, West Ham set up predictably so. 4-1, 4-1. 
it was Cresswell, Diop, Balbuena, Fredericks, protected by Rice, and in front of him was a front four, or sorry, a midfield attacking four of Anderson, Noble, Fornals, uh, Snodgrass, and Sebastian Allaire. And uh, as far as we're concerned, that's probably going to be the formation going forward. I don't think you're going to see... I don't think you're going to see Pellegrini open himself up to changing ideas this late into what could be the end of his career at West Ham. I think he has to stick to his guns and has to succeed by his own structure. If he compromises on this idea, then where's the next compromise come from? Where's he getting his... Because he's been so determined in this formation and making it work that I just can't see him moving away from it. Um, that being said, some some injury concerns and some player performances sh- should hopefully mix up the starting 11. Um, I feel like we ask this every week, but do you predict that this, the form? Do you agree with me that the formation will stay the same? Do you think it'll change? What would you rather see as far as formations consider- concerned? Yeah, I think we said it last week, and I completely agree with you. I don't think he's going to change anything. He never really has before. He did maybe last year a little bit out of necessity and injury, but with what we have going on right now, um, there's really no, there is a need for him to do it, but I think in his mind, there's not a need for him to actually make any changes. Um, just like I said last week, I'd love to see a 4 3 3 or some type of variation of that. I think getting three attackers up front and with potential of Antonio going to be back, and I know he is going to be back, but I don't know if it's going to be. At, you know what level of Antonio we're going to see just yet, but getting him up high, um, getting him playing and attacking and pressing is always good. I mean, it either goes really hard into the net or it goes way up in Rosette, but at <laughs> least at some point, at he's some point, he's unpredictable. Exactly, but that's good, and that keeps them on their toes, I guess. Um, but yeah, I would love to see more attack, but I just don't see, I don't see Pellegrini, like you said, switching anything up this late. I can see some player switches happening, but yeah, formation I'm, I'm not I'm not so sure about here. Um, the hot button issue as far as defenders goes, I guess it can be split, but I think the real one that people are dying to see be made is Balbuena coming out of the lineup for Angelo Ogbonna to come back in. Uh, West Ham were terrific with Ogbonna in, and the pity that Pellegrini showed to uh, on Balbuena to bring him back into the lineup, which was really unjust to Ogbonna, uh, he stuck with them for the last few matches, and and bless him, have been atrocious at the back. Babuena, I don't think can be pinpointed as the cause for you know every goal, but against Burnley, he had a he had an absolute mare, and, and on that goal, the first goal that Rice lost the header, Ashley Barnes was unmarked because Babuena was marking Rice, who was marking I think it was Westwood who won the ball uh, or Hendrick. It's just you know he just seems to get lost in the shuffle there, and that's been one of West Ham's bigger issues. Are you a proponent of Diop Ogbonna at the back, or are you sticking with Balbuena in in this match here? No, I think Ogbonna has to come back in, and hopefully so. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that first goal. The second goal, granted, Roberto shouldn't have, you know, tossed it out to him, but he didn't play that one very well either, which gave up, you know, started that whole run on the second goal. And then there was even a point in time um, towards the end of the match whenever a kind of crazy cross came in. I don't know if you remember this, but the crazy cross kind of came in literally Balbuena was the only one in the box and at that point either him or somebody Roberto should have been called out like hey <laughs> he just hold on to the ball or kick it upfield instead he just kind of hoofed it and went out of bounds and gave up another corner so yeah just too much negativity and too much kind of uh, disappointment out of that I don't know what's going on with the general but um, yeah I would definitely want to see Akbana come back in so hopefully that's one of the major changes 
I think Balbuena would absolutely thrive in a three at the back system because he is mobile. He's he may be our most despite Diop running like a Clydesdale up the middle of the pitch a few times. I think Balbuena moves the best out of our three center backs. Um, but you know, Pellegrini's not going to play that, so we can get that idea out of our heads for now. But I'm with you on like Bonda there. Uh, you wrote a missing persons report on Arthur Mazuaku, who has shown up playing for uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, do you think he'll draw back into this one over Cresswell? That's to me. That's tough. I mean, I, I want to see it. Completely agree. That's. I'm, I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> it's tough because I mean, Cress is he, he's played okay. You know, maybe he, he's been up and down, but he hasn't been, I guess, horrific this year. And Mazuaku has been pretty good. You know, and it's kind of like we've always kind of slayed him a lot on the show and uh, other shows. I think have as well because last season he wasn't very. He didn't have a very good time. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's done okay so far this year. So it, it's tough. I know I wrote the missing person's report kind of as a joke, but kind of in serious. Cause we don't know where he's been. I mean, he hasn't even been on the bench and then he shows up internationally. Um, kind of like Winston Reed too. Same kind of scenario with that. And, um, yeah, so maybe seeing him come back out, he definitely would have more pace. And I think that his pace on the left side with Anderson might, like you said, kind of get in the face and get in the grill of Serge Aurier a little bit if he's going to be playing on that right side and, and could potentially, you know, frustrate him or be able to take him over at some point, maybe more than Crest might be able to. So to me, I'm not going to be disappointed either way. It's tough, but at least they should both one, one of the one should be starting and the other one should be on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think both players play well with a short leash on them. When Cresswell mm-hmm. got injected into the, into the table or into the, sorry, into the team this year with Mazuaku's suspension, uh, he came up with goals in back-to-back games, and then you know things people start to get complacent, understandable. But look at Mazuaku as well. When he gets dropped in, he's dynamic. He's crossing the ball. He's doing his dribbles. He's playing well with Anderson. And then a few games later, he gets a red card. And it's like, what the hell is the problem? I think the problem is they need that constant motivation. And this is where maybe it's an issue of Pellegrini again, who's not a very good man manager, which all reports are he's a systematic manager and not necessarily a man manager like Slavin Bilic was. Bilic will know the guy to put his arm around and, you know, be buddy-buddy with him. I can't see Pellegrini doing that with anybody. Maybe that's just an outsider's perspective. Well, it is an outsider's perspective, but I don't know if I've got that right or not. But I think you need to know each player on your team and how they perform the best. And I think having a constant fire under Cresswell and Mazuaku and having both of those players who on their day can be terrific Premier League, like, you know, tops in the Premier League fullbacks because they have been this season. That's not just some crazy statement I'm saying. They both have had elite games this season for West Ham. <laughs> Put them on short leashes. Let them know that guy's on the bench. And if they have a bad foul in the first half, let in a goal, that, that fullback's coming on to take over in the second half or in the next match. Like, put that fear of playing poorly in their heads to sort of raise the level of competition in the team. I, I just feel like there's so much there's so much given with the same teams being picked week after week. There, there's no reason to perform if you know you're going to get your starting bonus when, when you show up to the to the game on the weekend. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. I'm getting too hot headed here. Uh, something I want to point out about the team as well. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of players specifically Lanzini, Fornals, Anderson, I wanted to highlight the last two Fornals and Fornals and Anderson get a lot of shtick because if they're not on the score sheet, everyone goes, what the hell are they doing? They're not, they're not contributing with 70 million between the two of them. We can't get a goal, which is fair criticism. They're attacking players and they get played. They get paid to play football. Um, 
but there's two th- like there's still there's still people in the end and you know as as much of a right as you have to criticism um you also have to sort of you should at least be conscious of the fact that they're real people and Albion Ajedi goes for this as well uh Ajedi went uh on international duty with uh Switzerland Switzerland had qualified has now qualified for uh Euro, uh, Euro 2021 is it 2020 I don't know um anyways uh, so he had a great, it looks like he had a great time away. He played, uh, he played in, in the match, the first match that they won. Uh, he didn't score in either of them, but either way, the point I'm trying to make is you get little glimpses into these players' lives through social media and whatnot. And it's kind of, it's really nice to see someone like Fornal is a 23 year old kid from Spain. He keeps posting, he's either posting about his family and his girlfriend or wife all the time, who he seems to love both parties very much. The other thing he posts outside of training is that he's learning English and he keeps posting little stories about him. I think it was him with his teacher giving the thumbs up with like a, with like a certain level of English book in front of him. Like to me, that's like the personal side of players that I love seeing. I love seeing that dedication. If Fornells was just here to cash a paycheck and move on, he would have no interest in taking in the cold weather training and embracing it with his mates learning English to better get to know the city. He would have no interest in that stuff. He's invested in being here, and he knows that right now he's probably not performing up to this, his own standards. And we've seen him get those grade-A chances and go in on net and, and you know pass the ball instead of shoot it. That's confidence. That's something that'll come in time. But just try to remember there are people as well. Felipe Anderson spent time with, I forget the association, but he went to schools uh, and, and met a bunch of kids and was playing football with them. And then in some candid video shots, or what, what, at least what looked to be candid, was literally like you could see like sincerity in him laughing and playing with the kids because they were playing football and you know they were scoring on him or he was scoring on them it was just so great to see like there's this i'm sure i'm sure some stuff is you know forced on the players from their clubs and whatnot but to to take to buy into it that much and fully take part in it it is something kind of special to see and i think felipe anderson and pablo fornells are invested in this i think Something needs to happen to get them kickstarted here, and I think a four-three-three would be perfectly suited to do that. Let Fornells run the channels up and down the middle. Let Fleep Anderson stay high, and and let their you know this positivity of them off the pitch be carried to the game itself. That's on them. That's on the manager. But you know, people kind of forget sometimes that, that footballers are players too, right? Dude, I completely agree, and you you said it perfectly. I mean, and I think that once once we see Anderson, once we see Fornells get a goal not just an assist, but get it a goal, you're going to see the expression on their face of just how overjoyed they're going to be. Um, and, yeah, you, they are people, too. I think a lot of times what people get stick for is if they think that they're not out there performing, you know, at their 100% level, if they're out there just kind of lollygagging around. And we have seen that, and I think that that's okay criticism at that point. If, if the player is not out there giving his all, um, then, yeah, maybe there should be some stick for that. But I think a lot has to come into play, too, with – the, you know, the formation that we're in and the other players that are playing around them. I mean, this is a lot of individuality, but still there's 11 men out there trying to run around and they all have to play together at some point. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's key just to remember that. And it is cool to see that, to see them out there. Um, and that's a great thing about social media is not really to get on and slate the player, but to just see that they are human in, in their life. And, uh, yeah, I think he wrote a great piece about Fornals and he has this opportunity to kind of fill in and, and get this chance and, and you know, confidence is only going to come with playing more. So I'll be, I will be elated whenever he gets in and gets his first goal and, and gets that going. And I mean, a, a Jetty or a Yeti, I think, you know, just, I really have high hopes for him too. And Anderson's going to come around. We've seen it time and time again, but you know, everybody has 
bad matches here and there. You just have to kind of stick behind them and know that they're going to pull through eventually. But, you know, I think it's just going to have to be, we got to get behind. Um, when I say we, like we're there, but we're not there. But as a whole, the fan base has to get behind this club. I mean, West Ham feed off of the fans just as much as we feed off of them, the players. And they're not going to perform as well if we're not going to be behind them. And I think getting behind them is the most important part. Yeah, we don't want to see Roberto and net, but getting out there and laughing at him when he's screwing up is not going to help anything. I think if Anderson or Fernales have a bad match or they're not playing well, you know, the first 20, 30 minutes, like kind of booing and jeering at them is not going to, it's not going to do anything good. I mean, because like you said, the human part of it is their confidence is going to be shot. They're going to be completely they're not going to have the mindset of, well, I'm making, you know, $100,000 a week, so not $100,000, 100,000 pounds a week or whatever it is, but um, you know what I mean. Like, they need that support, and they need that kind of backing them. So, yeah, absolutely right. Um, as long as they're out there playing 100%, I think that sometimes when you do see sometimes of the it's okay to maybe get on them a little bit, but understanding, too, that it just takes a while, and they are people. So you're right. Um, we'll leave the predictions to our, our weekly prediction piece that's coming out tomorrow as well as our predicted formation here. But um, we're all on the same page when, when I think I speak for all of us when I say we really hope that West Ham gets up for this for this London Derby here. Um, but as we do with every episode, let's finish off with some Hammers Polls questions. On Twitter, it is at Hammers Polls. The first one uh, comes just an hour ago, 136 votes already on it. Which is your favorite London Derby? West Ham versus Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, or Millwall? Up to you first. I'm going to go with Tottenham. I mean, I started following West Ham when they are in the championship and have watched them play Millwall, not in person, but obviously that's the big, you know, that's the big one that everybody hates. And you've seen it in whatever movies and you've seen it in history and everything. But with Tottenham, more recently than not, that's kind of been the game to get up for. Um, so for me, long story short, yeah, it would be Tottenham. What about you? I completely agree. I, I don't have the history, uh, self-admitted to, to, to be in that Millwall bunch, uh, mm-hmm. and having clicked on, on the voting here, I know how it shakes out, but I, I'm with you in Tottenham. Um, there's always, I, <laughs> there's always some, something to be said about the, the matches, especially the back and forth on Twitter, which, you know, a lot of times it's toxic, but, um, seeing Antonio do whatever the hell dance that was at the <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was truly amazing. So, you know, to see that get placed everywhere, see him sitting over top of that toilet bowl looking stadium, uh, really does add to the uh, supremeness of that of that derby. Uh, Tottenham is first for voting, 51%. Second is Millwall at 41 and Chelsea and Arsenal are tied at 4%. And this, this, I mean, that answer comes down to personal, right? Like, if you're the mm-hmm. biggest Declan Rice fan in the world, you've only been supporting the club for, you know, one or two seasons, and he got his goal against, <clears throat> excuse me, against Arsenal, uh, you probably, you know, that personal connection to it probably makes you go, you know, pick Arsenal on that one. So I, I, I get that for sure. Um, okay, this is an interesting question, one we kind of talked about a little bit in the past. And also in the blog, uh, this one's from this question's from at Adam underscore MC one R. Is West Ham's downfall not signing enough proven Premier League players? What do you think? Mm, I think I, I'm going to say no, and it's easy to say yes on that one, just because the Premier League is a it's a beast on its own. It's a way different uh, it's a way different ballgame. The Bundesliga, uh, you can go through you know the La Liga, Ligue all the different ones, and they're they're big leagues, and but the Premier League is just a lot tougher, a lot more physicality. But I think if you get the right players to come in there with that mindset and they get good training, 
Um, you know, training is obviously not what it equates to in real life when they're actually on the pitch. But if there's a good training program in place with a lot of physicality in place and uh, with a mindset set on that, then I think that it doesn't really matter where you get your players to come from. You can look, I mean, look at uh, look at the rise of in the top six. You know, the majority of those players, when they get them, when they snag them, they're coming from other leagues for mm-hmm. the most part. And, and they never seem to really skip a beat. And I think it's a training program and it's kind of what you have. So I think it's an easy cop-out to me anyway to say yes. So I'll, I'll take the no and maybe hopes that you do say yes so we differentiate, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say no because, like you said, there's a lot of uh, Premier, League, Premier League proven players who became Premier League proven players coming from outside leagues. And like you said, um, you know, look at Liverpool, Chelsea – uh, Chelsea's the wrong example. Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, these teams with rich, rich histories uh, and as well that have a high wage bill. A lot of their players are plucked, like you said, from top European leagues. I do think the further you go down the list, um, you run the risk of paying a high price tag for somebody who's not going to acclimate as well. I think there's a higher risk of not acclimating for those players further down on the pecking order. Elite's elite. If you sign Zlatan from Milan... Uh, and bring him over here. He's gonna score goals for you. Like that. That that's that's unequivocally gonna happen. But mm-hmm. if you sign someone like Felipe Anderson, who was not the highest, you know, scouted player in uh, Syria a few seasons ago, but he's a player who looked at you know at times to be extremely dynamic and a great goal scoring threat, versatile. You kind of take a risk and a gamble on that. And we see it. He's been up and down, just sort of to to follow along with that. So I would say. It's not West Ham's downfall. That's kind of a ridiculous statement in itself, just based off of how severe that sounds. Mm-hmm. But I do think English players do need to be prioritized when building out the core of the team uh, moving yeah. forward, for sure. For sure. Uh, 52% say yes, 48 say no. Um, next question is from the same person, underscore, mm-hmm. uh, at Adam, underscore, MC1R. West Ham are 9-2 in betting odds to get relegated, and Pellegrini is 11-4 to to be sacked. If West Ham don't win on Saturday, is it time for the board to act and get someone in to save the season? Yes or no? Adam, you're killing these questions, man. <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to let me go first on this one. Of course, uh, as always. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to stick to my guns. And um, a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago now, I kind of put it out there that after you know the Burnley match, depending on how Burnley match went, and then depending on how this match went, if it didn't go so well, then yeah, it's it's I'm definitely on that Pellegrini out train, and I could see it now. I mean, I'm trying to stay optimistic, and you you know how positive I typically can be. But if things go south in this match, and we're losing severely to Tottenham at home, um, this could be one of those matches where we see a lot of the same things that happened. You know that Burnley mm-hmm. that Burnley match when the flag went in the middle of the pitch, and the fans are turning around and yelling at uh, Sullivan and Gold and, you know, poor Trevor Brookings in the crowd, like, crying and all this is going on. And it has, this match has the potential to do that. So, yeah, I think if, you know, looking at it kind of glass half empty is if this is a bad match and things don't go well, then, yeah, I'm definitely Pellegrini out and it's not going to look good. I completely agree with you. Um, the severity of this is is the same in one aspect for both teams, but West Ham take it up a level. Tottenham need points. They need to get back into this top six range, mm-hmm. and, and a win for them would put them back up you know, on, on level with Arsenal and Sheffield for fifth and sixth right now, I, that being said, with a game in hand, of course. But um, you, like West Ham really, really 
need to win this game mentally. They're coming off of a two-week break. Vacation was canceled for the players. Training was mandatory, as far as I've heard, uh, through different people on Twitter for for players um, who stayed with the club and didn't go on international duty. There's an emphasis on winning this game because you wrote about it beautifully as well. A lot can be, you know, you can do a lot of patchwork on the state of West Ham right now by beating Tottenham at home. Mm-hmm. This match is historical. There's there's a strong link between these two clubs. It's, you know, getting a result against them is something that needs to happen for the psyche of this team, and I think it could be absolutely damaging if, like you said, I don't even think if, if we if we just lose to them and there's a lack of effort on the pitch against the same issues, that's all it needs. It doesn't have to be a 5-0 loss. It can just be a predictable loss, and I think that mm-hmm. that could basically do it for them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's big. It's bigger than... Uh... It's bigger than we probably want it to be, but that's kind of the, the position we put ourselves in, the clubs put themselves in. Uh, completely agree. And this is a question that goes hand in hand with it. Uh, Hammers Poles is sharing this question from at my WHUFC. Who is more disliked, David Sullivan, Karen Brady, or David Gold? <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, uh, 72% of people said that Pellegrino will get sacked after this weekend. if they lose. Okay. I'm going to let you go first on this one. Uh, I've I voted Karen Brady uh, mostly because David Gold and David Sullivan have both followed or, or, or been true to their word of, of staying out of the media as far as stupid comments have been concerned. Yes, they still pipe up every now and then, and yes, people want to blame them for everything, so they, their names get dragged back into different things, you know, truthful or not. But Karen Brady has no tact when it for someone who's as great a business as she is boy does she need to learn how to read the room or read the situation better i wouldn't be surprised if she was tweeted out that video on the the other day of (laughs) see you saturday jose because that would just be perfectly her brand of piping it at the wrong time uh yeah she 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 boils my piss as people say just based off of her generic comments that you know whether it's writing for the newspaper or digging somebody out it's like people in glass houses you know what i mean like she is running a club that is so far from perfectly run Mm-hmm. largely because of her involvement in this in the david's involvement in this uh I, I just she bothers me as a character and i wish she would you know lose her phone or or you know something along those lines i just don't i don't need to hear from from the owner of the club that's all it is yeah so for me uh you know david sullivan he gets a lot of stick or he has in the past not much recently because either something he said or his sons have come out and said which by the way they've kind of stopped that in um the one's doing really well for the women, but uh, that's not the question. Uh, with David Gold, he, he's kind of fun to pick at, you know, because he comes out and what was it last season? It was like two seasons ago, right? Where every other night was like, "Don't go to, don't go to sleep, don't go to sleep, DG." And uh, he's just fun to kind of pick at with that. But I completely agree when it comes down to Karen Brady of just the asinine things that come out of her mouth, the things she says, the things that she's not followed through on, um, just in the in the way she kind of holds herself and. Um, presents herself on anything if you i don't know if you've watched like the uh, what is it the apprentice i think is what it's called i haven't tuned um, in i did i did catch the uh, west ham way episode uh with, with the uh the fellow there the west ham fan mm-hmm. which was great yeah i forget his name already so apologies to that but i have watched it in the past and even on there she's even if you didn't have any association with west ham it, it's just frustrating to listen to her talk and to see her talk but um yeah, so I think, you know, going with her, for me, is easy pick. Yeah, 60% agree, Karen Brady. 
David Gold only has 4%. I think it's because people genuinely sympathize with him. Yes, he makes some, some mistakes and whatnot, but uh, he's a more sympathetic character for sure. Uh, here's a good question, and maybe we should end on this one. It brings us full circle with the manager chat to start. Uh, many managers were talked about and suggested as possible replacements for Pellegrini. Would you have if let, let's put it in context here? If West Ham lose against Tottenham, let's say they get they get beat three 0 at home, would you have Sam Allardyce back to run the club at, at the very least to the end of the season? Oh God, um, no, no, I don't think I would. I think that. Um, we talked about it last week, and getting the likes of him or uh, a Moyes or, or somebody else that's going to come in is, is simply going to be just kind of, you know, they're going to come in as a caretaker and kind of take care of things and probably keep you up, and it'll look a lot like it had two seasons ago where we stayed up. It wasn't pretty, but we stayed up, and, you know, Moyes did a good job, and he did what he came in to do. But I don't think that we're – we can't be in that situation. We've been sold this – um, this idea of what this club's supposed to be and doing that every other season's not is not it. So um, as much as I kind of love poking a fat Sam and thinking maybe him coming back would be something I, I, I guess realistically I wouldn't want to see it. Um, kind of deviating from the uh, question a little bit though, if Pochettino was ever an option, and regardless if he you know he was Spurs and has got a lot of Spurs in his blood, yeah, I would I would take him. But that's not the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would I would take Pochettino as well, um, just because he's got that so the new age ideas to get a team going. But oh, mm-hmm. I would I would take Allardyce back in a heartbeat. Uh, maybe maybe it's rose colored <laughs> glasses. I'm I'm personally I try to I, I try to stop my anti not anti Pellegrini, but I'm I'm past the point of no return with Pellegrini. I think he needs to leave the club in order for them to push on. Certainly this season, mm-hmm. um, I just think he. He doesn't want to. Um, he doesn't want to change his ideas, and his ideas aren't working with the club, and that is a problem because you need someone to be dynamic. Um, that may be con- contradictory to Sam Allardyce, but Allardyce has done it in the Premier League countless times. He's gotten teams together, he's got them playing well, and he's got them not conceding goals. Um, whether that's going to be boring or not. Um, I would rather be bored and getting results than be exciting and losing every game, which is what it has been. Quote unquote exciting hasn't even been there. We've just been losing games. So get the team together, reorganize. Pelle- the, the Pellegrini hire was good on paper when it happened, but it didn't pan out. Let's reset. Let's go back. Let's start it again with someone new. Um, here's a question. This is an Adam Poles question for Jeremiah. Uh, <laughs> is Rafa Benitez at the top of your list to replace Pellegrini? he's on the list but i don't know if he's at the top of the list and only because he's a name that continues to keep you know coming up and i think he definitely had a bad stick in at newcastle not a lot of opportunity there so he's going to go off and make the money out in china just like pellegrini did but he, he's definitely on the list but kind of along what you were saying with finding the right guy you want to find that right person and, and pellegrini wasn't i don't think the first choice but finding who is your first choice and going out and actually getting that first choice, making that the person that you want and for all these different reasons, maybe not because it's a big name or because they've done well in the past. I'm completely okay of going out and get somebody like the Cowley brothers or going out and get somebody that's maybe less, you know, has taken clubs. Like if you look, you know, look at all the success that Eddie house had at Bournemouth, taking somebody like him and bringing him in. I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Or even bringing in somebody that has no, uh, really affiliation with the EPL at all 
but they've just had a kind of young success uh, somewhere else. I can't remember his name, and, and um, so this is going to really butcher up the story. But <laughs> he's the he's the manager at um, at uh, RB uh, Leipzig. Uh, no, it's the one in Austria. Oh, Salzburg. Uh, Salzburg. Yeah, he's American manager. The managers out there, and that dude has more passion and heart than I've seen. And, and you know, they're playing in I think it's the I think it's the Europa League, and they're winning some games and they're looking pretty good. And he they're playing really well. Obviously, in the you know. Um, Playing in the in Austria is not maybe as competitive as playing in the EPL, but just seeing the heart and kind of passion behind it, I want somebody like that. So, yeah, I, Benitez is on the list, but I don't think for me anyway he wouldn't be my number one choice. What say you? Yeah, I think that you put out a good inspired pick there with, with the the Salzburg manager. Um, no, I would stay far far away from Rafa Benitez um, <laughs> just based off of the allegory of Pellegrini. Look at Mourinho. Mourinho could have had every single job in China with the fattest paycheck he's ever gotten. And granted, he got a big one coming here, but coming back to Tottenham. But he wanted, he'd stayed out of football, whether it was to take time off or what, whatnot. He wanted to stay in competitive football. He wants to win. He, you know, the term serial winners used for him a lot. Um, that's what I want. I want my manager motivated to win. I want, and, and Mourinho has a system that works and he knows that it's, that it works. And, you know, I think he, that's the mentality you want. Klopp's not going to... If Klopp gets sacked tomorrow, he's not going to go to China for a payday. No, no, no. He's going to go work on his reputation and his legacy as a manager. Pellegrini has that legacy, but he's, what, 70-something years old? Like, you know what I mean? There, certain things make sense. I want a manager that's hungry, that wants to continue to win. I don't think that's Rafa Benitez uh, and him tipping his hat and going to China is a, a sign of that in my eyes. Give me someone young and exciting. Agreed. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a question at you from uh, from Jeremiah polls. Then since you're gonna do that, um, I posted this out on Twitter maybe two weeks ago. So I don't know if you voted on it or not. Got over 500 votes on it, and it was about 63% said yes. Um, is this is this the worst that you've ever seen West Ham play as a fan? Uh, oof, tough to say. Again, it's been it's been a handful of years for me, um, but. Uh, no, I want to say the first season at the London Stadium had shades of the worst season I've ever the mm-hmm. worst I've ever seen. Uh, congratulating the post for being man of the match. Um, I remember I invited a pal of mine over, two buddies over, Mike and Ben, to watch uh, West Ham play Hull City. And my buddy Ben is a Manchester United fan, so he he understood completely what the the shakedown of the league was. But Mike goes, oh, so. Is it going to be a good game? Is West Ham going to lose or win? Like, what, 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 what are you expecting? And I said, Oh, Hull's going to get relegated. West Ham should steamroll them. Hull won, I think, two or three nothing in the game, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was just like a, you know, it was so unpredictable. The team was so dead. There were so many passengers on, on board. Um, so uh, it's tough to say. It's such a small snapshot because you know, a month and a half ago, we wouldn't even be that question could be considered is this the best you've seen West Ham play in 10 years and the answer could very well have been yes Um, it's so it's such a a difficult snapshot to to put into context I say no uh, and I'll give it to the you know I'll I'll let it I'll let the rest of West Ham dictate for itself there's been relegation (laughs) seasons and whatnot so uh, I say no but it is not inspired whatsoever right now no and it was interesting Uh, like I said 63% of it said yes but a lot of the if I had, if people said no, I tried to get them to comment, and uh, a lot of the comments were, 
you know, kind of lifetime followers of West Ham mm-hmm. or have been following for a while. And there has been a lot worse times than this. But in recent memory, you can see that West Ham's obviously picked up a younger crowd and a younger following just because of the um, of the yes answer itself. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough time. So hopefully we can get that fixed. Well, so much for a quick episode here. We're at uh, forty or approaching forty-four minutes as the recording goes. Um, we're both jacked up. We're both excited for the weekend. Any final thoughts going into the London Derby? No, I'm just excited. I'll be jacked up at five thirty a.m. with my coffee and uh, maybe throw a little JD in there just for fun to kind of get the morning going. But um, no, just excited and ready to get going. And hopefully, this will be a match that we can get things turned around. And if not, then. Obviously, look for more uh, criticism and negativity coming, but hopefully we something can happen. I love the JD fix of man. You know, it's West Ham. We either drink to celebrate or we drink to drown the sorrows. And with that, uh, we say come on, you irons, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.